Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. My former boss probably has helped me more than anything else is find mentors and be willing to make mistakes or sacrifices that other people aren't going to make to get the life that you want. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, Ian Tudor. How you doing, Ian? Great. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to hear that. My pleasure. A little bit about Ian. He's a co-founder of Archimedes Group. They have sourced, participated, and closed over $20 million in deals since 2016. In his previous position, he underwrote over a billion in acquisitions and dispositions based in Charlotte, North Carolina. With that being said, Ian, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. So I'm a mobile home park investor. Been doing it for about three years. So in my prior life, I was working on the institutional side at a publicly traded REIT or formerly publicly traded REIT, underwriting office building skyscrapers across the Southeast. And I was on the investments team and I decided I wanted to make a little change and invest on my own. That's when I stumbled into mobile home parks and Ryan Naris, my business partner, and I decided to go into business in 2015. And we purchased our first park in 2016. So over the past three years, we've been a part of about 12 transactions, 1300 lots with various partners. And part of our learning of how mobile home parks work was in 2017, we partnered with a big operator and as a way for us to get our apprenticeship in mobile home parks, we lived in a mobile home park, slept in a double wide on a blow up mattress for 14 months, alternating weeks. So Ryan was there for a week. I was there for a week. And that really gave us the foundation of kind of who our company is today and where we're looking to go forward now. Why didn't you get into office buildings? That's where your experience was. Great question. So coming into real estate, my family is from the medical world. 
And for me, I just didn't have a huge amount of capital behind me. So I found mobile home parks as this kind of started off just like a side hustle. I bought my first house when I was 23 years old and I guess what they call house hacking now and lived there while my roommates paid my rent. And that was in Richmond and the job before I got into real estate. So I continued that path in Orlando and I just found mobile home parks was a lower capital requirement. And it mm-hmm. seemed like there was greater opportunity than other forms of real estate at the time, which was around 2014, 15 when I was looking. Okay. So doing quick math, over 20 million in deals, you did 12 deals that averages to be 1.6 million, which I know varies greatly. Probably got a couple really big ones and some small ones in there. What was your first one? The first deal we did was with a now formerly owned company. So that was 1.525 million. That was in Hillsboro, North Carolina, which is right outside of Durham, which is in the Raleigh MSA, which is a great town. And so I live in Charlotte. That was the first deal that we did. And then we did a small $500,000 deal in Asheville, which is in Candler, which is about 10 miles outside of Asheville. We still own that. That was 33 lots. And then we did a $10.5 million deal that we sourced. Uh, That was 450 lots. And then we brought that to a regional operator. Mm. And that's where we went to move in to that community for 14 months. Okay. Let's talk about those first three. 1.5, how'd you fund it? That one, they put up a lot of the capital. So early on, that was Park Street Partners when they were- Another operating partner? Correct. Okay, cool. Yep. So they used to own 25 mobile home parks and they've kind of just gone a different direction. But starting off, we had no money. I couldn't really bring these deals to my boss because I didn't want them to know that I was side hustling on the side, Yep. uh, trying to find things to make happen. So for us, we did finder's fees. So for the first deal, we got a 5% finder's fee, which is about 75 G's for the 1.525 deal. We kept some of that in and we cashed out the rest to allow us to like invest in more deals. And Ryan and I put a little of our own capital into Archimedes Group, which then allowed us to invest in other deals. So that $500,000 deal, Ryan and I were able to put a little money in and we had another capital partner, which turns out to be my former boss after I left that company. <laughs> so makes... treat your boss nicely. You never know where that relationship would go. Oh, isn't that the truth? The 5% finder's fee, you got 75K on the first one. How did you find that deal? So another reason we like mobile home parks a lot was just how fragmented it is. And it's still relatively fragmented, but the secret's kind of out on the asset class. But we built a database of about 1,400 parks in the Southeast that we Mm -hmm. wanted to target. And then we mined those owners' information. So a lot of what we did was kind of direct mail, cold calling. This particular one was just an up-and-coming broker who I guess I told a good enough story and we connected and had rapport. And actually, I just spoke to her today and that allowed us to get into the first deal. So that first one was broker. And then the second one and third one were cold calls. Nice. How do you go about building a database of 1,400 parks? So it's various types of methods. So there's several parks on some of the larger sites that list a few of the parks, but the best way to do it is to get on Google Earth and just scan Google Earth and (laughs) and click parks. So it's very time intensive and took me quite a few hours. And now I'm working with a VA out of the Philippines 
and they update it yearly. So we're in our yearly update. So we know what parks have traded for what amount, what's the new owners. And then we mind those owners to then contact them. But usually the trades happen with the owner that's owned for a while, not the one who just bought. They're not looking to sell the second they buy. Right. So two questions. When you do Google Earth and you scan for parks, you go into maps and then do you type in mobile home park and then just zoom around or do you have another approach? Yeah, we do Google Earth, not Google Maps. Oh, Uh, you can do Google Maps. It's not bad. There are several places of maps for mobile home parks, but a lot of parks aren't mapped or they're not Google places. So the owners haven't set that up for those parks and you'll miss a lot of parks that way. So you go into Google Earth and then you get this application called Parlay Mm 2.0 and that allows you to pull parcel numbers. So once you have the parcel numbers, then you can go to the county GIS. You go to county GIS and you can find the LLC, the owner, what they paid for it, and some other information. Sometimes they tell you the lot count, the type of utilities, X, Y, Z. And then you have to go find who's behind that LLC. And then you find that person, then you have to go find their number. So it's wildly time consuming. There's people out there now, I think, that are selling these data sets, Mm -hmm. which makes life easier. It depends on what path you want to take. But for us, that's the one we took, and so far it's been lucrative. Huh, that's pretty cool. And how does the virtual assistant know which parks have traded hands? That's all updated on the county GIS, the county's property record search. So that all depends on when the deed was recorded and how quickly they update their database. So sometimes parks trade and three months have passed, and we call the owner, and they're like, yeah, I sold it three months ago, and the county... GIS still has not updated. So it's county specific, mm-hmm. but for the most part, counties will update their information. So it reflects online at which point you can kind of see who the note owner is, what they paid for it and the date in which the deal closed. That third deal, the big one, the big kahuna, I imagine price point, that was the largest deal you've done. I know it is because if you're at 20 million, then that was 10.5. Is that correct? Yeah, that one was interesting. That was June 30th, 2017. It's funny how you remember some of these <laughs> these moments in life. Uh, I cold called him in July of 16. I was at my friend's house cold calling when I lived in Orlando, Florida. How's that call go? It was surprising. I called a few of his numbers and he's like, hello. And I said, hey, my name's Ian. And I forgot the exact pitch I had, but it was like, I'm interested in buying mobile home parks. And he was like, well, who are you? So he was try- starting to qualify me quickly. I had to think quickly on my feet. And I basically told the story that the company that I was currently working for, that was in office buildings, I said some vague things about how they might be considering mobile home parks and that we purchased $4 billion worth of office buildings. And we think, just try to give myself some credibility. Luckily, he bought it. And he- we had some great rapport and we continued to talk. And he's like, yeah, my dad's an old senile man. And he doesn't want to let go of it, but we're trying to work as a family to get him to let go of it. So I followed up with him over the year and we continued to chat and talk. And I went down there several times and had to meet the family where like seven of them were surrounding Ryan and I and asking us questions. It was was really nerve wracking. And this is a $10.5 million transaction compared to the 1.5ers and the 500K one that you did. So it's just a massive opportunity for you all. Right. In hindsight, we had a partner who we thought had a lot of interest. So Ryan connected 
and is still very, very good friends with a larger operator who has about 6,000 pads in the Southeast. And uh-huh. how many pads was this one? This one was 450, okay. which is surprising. This is now their flagship asset because we partnered together since we'd had no capital to bring into it. It was another large finder's fee where we kept some in the deal, helped uh-huh. operate it. And then we refinanced, we obviously improved the value of that park, increased our money, putting no money down. So we put no money down on $10 million deal and walked away with over a half million dollars. So that's one way to make things. You and your partner, you and Ryan did? Nice. So over about a year, we had to give a lot up to make that happen. But now we're able to make a lot more money for ourselves on deals because we have the know-how. So what I tell people early on in the game and something I struggled with a lot is the way you make this game work is you got to make rich people richer. It's hard to wrap your head around that. But a lot of times for investors, when you don't have money and you're just trying to learn, Hmm. you find opportunity, you make it happen. And then you can start demanding better terms and structures as you have more experience, but getting started, you might have to give up some upside, but just know that that's not your only deal. If you're going to do 600 deals in your lifetime, it's worth it getting your experience. So then you can really get started. And I think some people look at the dollars too much for not enough of their ability to just get started. So that has helped it now catapult us into so many other deals because now we have credibility. Mm-hmm. What a necessary philosophy. And I've never heard it Put that way, make rich people richer, which is another way of saying what you said is find opportunity, make it happen. You have to give up the upside and it's not going to be your only deal. So you just continue to build that momentum. And then eventually, in this case, you and your partner made in total a little over 500,000. So that's a wonderful chunk of change to then go start doing your own deals and not having to rely on partners. So Thank you for sharing that philosophy. Yeah. Early on, I've found myself at times, it's easy to put in hours. I remember us putting in large amount of hours and it's easy to forget both sides have to come together for that to work. And we would have never had that deal. We would have never had that opportunity if the gentleman who we partnered with came to that table. So it was a great exchange of value for both of us. And we Mm -hmm. both walked away happy and We stay in contact and we've done a few more deals since then. So that has turned out to be a wildly successful relationship. And it's just some slight mental shift that you have to make. And I personally had to make it because there's times where I'm like, man, I feel like I'm doing all this work. I'm not getting paid enough for what I'm actually putting in. So, (laughs) Which is true. You weren't, but it was a long-term play. Yeah. In hindsight, a lot of people say I got ripped off and that's okay. I don't care because long-term now we're in the game now that we're doing deals and our structures are way better. So mm-hmm. like get started and find ways to just get into the game. Things are going to start playing our way. What about the fourth deal? What was that one? That was a little small deal. That was probably one of our return deal for our partner and as well as ourselves. But it was a $465,000 purchase price. It was 42 lots right outside of Greenville in a, a town called Greer. We still own that today. And it was a textbook deal, which we came into the industry thinking that all the deals were going to be like this. But <laughs> we learned very quickly, mobile home parks is a lot of work. And that was a cold call that the owners were absentee in Ohio And it was just time for him to 1031 into some farmland, I guess, close to his house because they couldn't manage the tenants. They master leased the community to a bunch of attorneys and then they didn't pay property taxes. So it was just a giant mess. 
Oh, man. That sounds like not quite textbook with a master lease contract in place with attorneys on the other side. What were some things that you had to do to eventually close on it that you want to share? A lot of it just seemed like the owner's lack of putting in the correct energy to monitor his assets. So I guess this deal was struck between the attorneys and the owner 10 years past, and he got like a monthly stipend where the attorneys didn't show him financials for 10 years, which I think most people can come to the conclusion that that's just not, <laughs> that's just not an ideal place to be. But <laughs> these attorneys were very hands-off as well, and they wouldn't talk to us much. But a lot of it was working through the daughter-in-law because the old man was senile and he couldn't hear very well. So she was the advocate to help him move to the next step. And she was kind of like the bridge between everyone. That transaction went well. In hindsight, we could have paid a lot more for it and still been all right. But they released an appraisal to us. We were at 600000 They released an appraisal to us, which, again, questionable to do. And it was at four hundred fifty. And we're like, listen, we'll give you four sixty five, and you guys are coming out ahead. But if it just appraised for four fifty, it's unlikely we're going to get to 600 they were desperate enough. They took that deal. And now that park's worth over a million bucks. And why would the numbers have still worked at around 600 if they were appraising it at 450 Because the appraiser had no information. So when the appraiser has no information, you go conservative. So at that moment, we didn't know what the real market rents were. So they were at 170 when we took over in August of 17. We're at 275 today. So we were underwriting it at 2.30, thinking mm -hmm. that that was being aggressive. But we were 2.30 to 2.50. But I think the market there is really like 3.25. So it's just a matter of time for us to get there. And these are lots. These aren't rentals. There's two different models in mobile home parks. One where you own the home and rent it out like an apartment. And the other one is where they own the home and they rent a lot from you. Mm -hmm. So this is all rentals of the lots. And the market's probably still got another 50 bucks to go and this park will be worth over 1.3 million probably in the next year and a half, two years. Taking a step back from your experience as a mobile home park investor, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? I should have probably prepared a little better for this one because I knew this question was coming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd say it's easy to overthink this entire business. My best thing, I think my former boss probably has helped me more than anything else is find mentors and be willing to make mistakes or sacrifices that other people aren't going to make to get the life that you want. And those are the two things that we've done. And now we personally own over 300 lots ourselves without unattractive structures. So step one would be get mentors. People are very helpful and they want to help. And then step two, I'd say just be willing to sacrifice for your work. It took us 13 months to close our first deal. What sacrifices have you personally made? I'd say driving to Atlanta to sleep on a blow-up mattress in a double-wide for over a year would be a sacrifice most people wouldn't be willing to make. I thought that was a week. Okay, I misheard you. That was for 14 months. And then I moved into Ryan's family's home and made $4,500 when I first jumped off full-time into this business. So I lived in his childhood bedroom with his parents and two yappy dogs for... <laughs> <laughs> for 10 months in the suburbs of Charlotte 
when I was making no money. So those two things we've done. And then Ryan helped another park owner and lived in a mobile home park in Tallahassee where his life got threatened and he was dealing with very, very violent tenants. So not suggesting that people put themselves in harm's way. That's not what I'm getting at, but certain opportunities require you to give up a lifestyle that you may be comfortable with. What are a couple takeaways that you got from living at the parks? One, I'm much more empathetic to these people probably than just putting in keystrokes in an underwriting model. Two, I feel like I can train my managers much better because I've gone through everything that they've gone through. So I can speak to them in a way that I understand because I've sat in eviction court. I've been to the DMV and changed titles. I've dealt with exploding sewer pipes and tenants screaming in my face. I've had to bring in new homes and I know the issues with having to stare someone in the face and tell them they have to get rid of their beloved dog because it's a pit bull and our insurance company doesn't allow it. So I've been in all these situations that I can empathize with these people and it allows me to be a better manager with my managers because I've been in their shoes. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com. All right. What's the worst piece of advice that you've received? The worst piece of advice I have ever received. That's a good question. I would say a piece of advice that I haven't listened to is just because it worked in the past doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work in the future. And real quick, the reason I say that is certain people told me that brokers was the only way to go to get deals in this industry. Mm. Nine of 12 deals we've done off market. What's the best ever way you like to give back to the community? The mobile home park community or just a community in general? Yeah, just people, however you want to think about it. Ryan and I are trying to be more charitable within our organization. So recently, one of our residents who's on a very fixed income, I guess a previous landlord had bed bugs and she lost all her furniture. So now she's renting a lot of her furniture. So we paid off the balance. So then she didn't have to pay for that and her rent. So now we're offering scholarships and looking to do more within the communities we have because we have a very good target audience. What's the deal you've lost the most amount of money on? Luckily, we haven't lost money on any deal. I say my single family home that I bought, I bought it and then sold it to my partner for break even. So didn't really make much money there. The biggest due diligence mistake I've made was on our second deal. I didn't check the water bills close enough and we had $120,000 of additional capital that I did not account for. And that was a painful experience to have with our investor. (laughs) I bet. How do you approach that conversation? I'm extremely fortunate in the regards that my business partner and partners, they're very, very understanding of the process. Our saving grace here was we have a low enough basis. So we bought it for 500,000 and it's appraised for 950. So we got some cushion there. Ideally, they're understanding of my mistake that I made, but it just leads me to believe that 
some of these things you just can't read in books. And unfortunately, you will have your own mistakes in some form and fashion. It's just when those happen. And not to say that it's good to make mistakes. I guess what I'm getting at is I've come to peace with it. My investors were very understanding of it, but I would say just fess up to it, be fully transparent and be fairly honest with yourself when these things happen and take full blame. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing and get in touch with you? Absolutely. So I post quite frequently on LinkedIn. So you can follow me at Ian Tudor. This is Mobile Home Park Investor on that. Feel free to follow me there. We also have a Facebook group called Mobile Home Park Mastermind on Facebook. Feel free to engage with us in there. Also, Ryan has a podcast, Mobile Home Parks in Real Life, MHP IRL where we speak about that. So we're very active on all those platforms. I would love to connect with you and we set up calls with newcomers all the time if we can help you in any way. Even if a listener is not interested in mobile home parks, there's a lot of value from this conversation. Rolling up your sleeves, doing things that others aren't willing to do to get things that others won't have as a result of you doing that. Then two is... As you put it in a way I hadn't heard, make rich people richer. In other words, find the opportunities, make it happen. Know that you're not going to make as much proportionately on the first deal as you would on future deals for the same thing. But it's part of the process. Believe in the process. It's not the only deal. The momentum and the foundation and the experience is much more important than any incremental dollars that you would have earned on the first deal that you didn't. Thank you for being on the show, talking about how you're also finding off-market deals I now have Google Earth on my computer, which I didn't before. I thought it was the same thing as Maps. That's a very ignorant thing of me, I know, but now I, I have Google Earth because of you. Thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day. Talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot.